Welcome to Verging on Greatness, a podcast about films that verge on greatness, but mostly just wallow in mediocrity, with your hosts, Mike Porkfeld and Craig Cerventi. Hello, good evening, good morning. Hey. Welcome to Verging on Greatness, a podcast where me, Mike, and my friend Craig, hi Craig. Hello, hi. We talk about a movie that is verging on greatness. It's, it's there in the title. It's not quite great. It's pretty good. You walk out thinking that was pretty good. <laughs> But there was something a little yeah, off, something right. not quite right. It was all right. Uh, yeah, it was okay. And we, Maybe it was that South American monkey. <laughs> we watched the movie. Could be the, yeah, could, the, the monkey's performance just felt a little off. Maybe they, yeah, it felt wrong. Maybe they could have cast a yeah. slightly different monkey. That, that Should have gone with a chimp. Would have just, yeah, yeah, would have just brought a different, brought a different you know, nuance. Um, uh, yeah, so that's what we're here to do. And today we're here to talk about, we're doing, this is the first, first of our two-part uh, Double feature, uh, t- uh, lock topical in double feature. Lock, I lock think in, we should call it. Lock, yeah. Is it lock in in the UK? We we have locked down. We have we have locked down. Yeah, we'll call it lockdown. Lockdown. Yeah, why not? A yeah. lockdown double feature. Craig and I suddenly have a lot more time at home, a lot more time on our hands. We thought let's uh, bang out a few more podcasts. So we are today talking about 1995's Outbreak. And this is the first of a two-parter. We'll be back uh, in a little while to talk about. Uh, later, a later movie, 2011's Contagion. Mm. Uh, so I think I think it's fair to say that y- you and I are obviously living through the COVID nineteen pandemic right now. We sure so, are. Well, on, yeah. on, on opposite sides of the world, we're experiencing different, we are. different yeah. kind of different political approaches, different media approaches. So Craig, if you've never listened to the podcast before, Craig lives in London. Uh, he is a New Zealander, and even though he talks like an American, um, and hey. I, uh, I live in New Zealand, and I talk like a New Zealander, and uh, I'm pretty much New Zealand all, <laughs> no, where, all where the way, from? Are you all from the way down. It's just more New Zealand. <laughs> um, uh, and to prove it, Mike's now going to say chicken. <laughs> chucken. <laughs> chucken. Chucken. There you go. Chucking a chucken. Chucking. Yeah, chucking. Yeah, nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. nah. Outbreak. Outbreak. So, yeah. so the year, yeah, nah, the year is the year is 1995. Uh, actually, yeah, Craig, sure uh, was. Do you want to do you want to tell us the background for this movie? This is kind of interesting. So this is a, this is this is true Hollywood at its best. So um, there's a book called Hot Zone, uh, which is a nonfiction take on the Ebola virus, and it must have been good because it got optioned for a film, and it was about to be made into a film as a vehicle for Robert Redford, I believe, um, and. I'm not quite sure of the circumstances, but I think it even at one point had Ridley Scott attached to direct. So it had it had all the bankable things you needed to get a film into production. Name star, uh, name director, uh, book that was on the top of the, the, the bestsellers list. And someone came along and went, actually, we don't need the book rights or that book to make a movie about a virus that kills a bunch of people. We just need um, a director and some stars. And so they, they slapped together a script and... Uh, originally sold it to Harrison Ford uh, to star in and Harrison Ford was all about that life until um, a set of circumstances came along and he couldn't be in the film they shopped it around another a a bunch of another big name actors Um, I remember reading the list going that's an impressive list of actors Uh, and then finally it landed on Dustin Hoffman's plate and uh, Dustin Hoffman said yes and Wolfgang Peterson was on board who's a German director who's best known for uh, doing Dust Boat and uh, the never-ending story, amongst other things. And then the rest is cinema history, baby. Um, and Into the Hot Zone eventually just got canned. They just went, fuck it, and gave up and went home. And, every, and everyone was released. And, so. Into the Hot Zone. So that's what that's what it was originally, originally called. 
the I think the movie was going to be called Into the Hot Zone. Yeah, there's a, a whole wiki that's a, article that's a about terrible it. Terrible title. <laughs> it sure is. Into the Hot Zone. Hot Zone sounds great. So I, I saw this movie when it came out. I, I, so it's, did it's I. 1995. So I was about I was about 13 or 14. Um, and it, like it was, it was formative time for me. And it's, I mean, I think everybody, this must happen to everybody that the movies that you watch between kind of 13 and 18 just become your favorite era of movies. And I love, I love the movies from this mid nineties period and outbreak is such a good, such a good example, example of, it. of it. Um, yeah, it's that, it's that, it's that, it's really the heyday of the, the action thriller. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Before, so, but before, before pre pre before action became all about CGI. Yeah. Where, it, before it became all monster movie effects. Monster movie, so, yeah, and comic book yeah. movie. So, Jurassic Park came out in '93 or '94. So a year earlier, you had Jurassic Park, um, and I think this is probably the last great example of the action thriller that i can i can think of off the top of my head oh, um, oh hello lambo's driving past yeah I have, welcome to london people i have one i have i have one that i was thinking about that came out after this i just had to look it up to see if it came out before or after but twister oh yeah but still that's a such a big sci- special effects driven film as well so like the special effects in that really stand out yeah, that, i mean they uh, don't yeah, stand out true. by today's that's standard true. yeah not, I it's, yeah, it's, I it's not a monster. I guess it's not a monster. It's not special effects in a Transformers kind of way. It's a, it's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's atmospheric effects, right? That's flying right. cows, yeah. it's that still, sort of thing. Flying cows, yeah. That flying cow, man. Yeah, that blew my mind. But it's it's that, mo- it's the, that the, movie was directed by Jan de Bont. I remember that Jan de Bont. He was a um, he was a, a cinematographer before he became a, a director, and um, he's responsible for for two films that are great and a third film which is absolute garbage. Uh, the first film is Speed. Uh, the second film is um, uh, Twister, and the third film was Speed Two. <laughs> <laughs> that- and then I don't think he's done much since. So. <laughs> Is that is Timmy Wera Morrison in Speed Two? Is that? Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> it was. Um, he was the. He's in the nineties and early two thousands. He was effectively the kiss of death. So if you put him in a film, you can guarantee it was going to suck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just he's in the Island of Doctor Moreau, which is uh, Monroe. Moreau. Moreau. Yeah, Island of Doctor Moreau. He's in. Um, he's in that Harrison Ford. Um, star vehicle uh, oh, I can't remember what it's called Castaways or something not Castaway but um, yeah he's in a bunch of films in the 90s like Barbed Wire oh, um, Attack of the Clones um, Star Wars Attack of the Clones he's in yeah. all these films that he's in because he's a, he's a big name star in New Zealand and he's in this phenomenal film very very hard to watch a New Zealand movie called uh, Once Were Warriors for those of you not from New Zealand um, and it, he's, he, he's an impressive he's an impressive presence in that film mm. Um, very hard to take your eyes off him when he's on screen and a completely it's a great performance mm. um, but yeah so clearly Hollywood and the rest of the rest of people making movies took note of that um, and put him in a bunch of stuff but everything he was in hot garbage just never seemed to know what to do with him I think which is under- no. understandable after a, after a movie called movie like Once for Warriors it's hard to, oh, hard to what's the other guy who's in that um, he plays oh, Cliff Curtis uh, 
Cliff Curtis, same film, same star, same star turning role. But Cliff Curtis, everything he's in is yeah. largely great. Tim- Timmy Morrison just didn't fit in in anything, and Cliff Curtis fit in in everything. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never thought of it. I'd never but, thought yeah. of it that way, but that's true. Um, yeah, yes, yeah, it's exactly how it is. Well, yeah, so they're both from the same place. We should get back onto back onto Outbreak. So Outbreak, um, yeah, really, really, it's it's from a really uh, the the era of, of movie making that where scripts were scripts were really tight. Um, they were f- pretty formulaic. Um, they stuck. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Stuck pretty tightly to the. Um, you know, to the three acts, they stuck tightly to their three act structure. They had their character arcs, um, and, and they they just they pulled a, pulled a lot of stuff from other places um, and reused it in slightly different ways. And they got great casts, and they're just they're such fun movies to watch. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, Wolfgang Peterson he did In the Line of Fire, which is the Secret Service Cliff. Um, sorry, uh, I think it's In the Line of Fire. Um, the Clint Eastwood vehicle, um, mm. and um, I'll just confirm. Yes, um, and and Air Force One. Uh, so he did he did like three of these action thriller type things in a row. Uh, they got progressively sillier, but In the Line of Fire is another great example of mm. the '90s action thriller. Um, but uh, we were watching. Uh, my wife and I watched this uh, two two or three nights ago, and she said everything escalated nicely. Like there's this mm. clear progression this clear escalation where this problem beget that problem yeah. which beget this other problem yeah it's, um, it's and bu- finally it's by culminates the book. it's, abs- it's by the absolutely book, yeah. by the yeah. book it's tight it's yeah. um 100 which which in turn makes it completely predictable oh for sure it's, yeah right up right up until the point where someone jumps off a helicopter onto a moving boat so, <laughs> the yeah. other movie i think of when i think of this era is demolition man which i probably talked about on this podcast before is one of my favorite movies just it's so it's so it's so tight and it's i know it's ridiculous but it's, it's so enjoyable and the <laughs> that it's 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 that tone it's just funny enough but yeah but it has a serious it has yeah. a serious point but it doesn't take itself too seriously and i feel like outbreak is kind of the same it's winking at the audience every now and again. I mean, you've got Dustin Hoffman, um, who's a phenomenal actor, Academy Award winning Dustin Hoffman, um, talking to two giant dogs as if they were children um, and shaming them on the couch. So Yeah, it says, which is his, it's the save the cat moment, right? It's this guy, this right, guy here yeah. has these two lovable dogs and he's giving them a bath. Um, it, in the most messy way imaginable, <laughs> inside the house. Yeah. So... I've do you have oh I've had dogs but I've never washed them in the house I you wash them outside I don't know I don't know I don't have dogs he's got a lawn it's like it's not like he lives in an apartment yeah I know um yeah it's not like he lives in an apartment building or something yeah they they, they do make the dogs a point of the plot but it's they're of they're of also primarily there I think as a as a save the cat um for sure purpose um yeah yeah and, and we're introduced so early on we're introduced to dustin hoffman uh, well we get like a, a prelude where we, we we get introduced to some military baddies floating around somewhere in africa and they they effectively burn a village nuke a, nuke a village from orbit so that they can save some people's lives because we're introduced to a virus pretty early on our our protagonist is introduced um sorry our antagonist is introduced early uh motamba the the virus mm. Who, who doesn't get a credit in this film? I know. I tried to look who who starred as Motamba, but there was no actor limited. It was a small uh, role listed. Small role, yeah. 
virtually invisible. <laughs> <laughs> Although there is a, there is a pretty have... pretty there's a there's a lewd close up of it. <laughs> it's very well, serious. Would you would you, would you would you say a lingering lingering shot? <laughs> a lingering a lingering lewd shot of of Mutaba. Yeah. Yeah. Um hey, so while we're talking about the cast, um, Dustin Hoffman, but man, supporting cast up the wazoo. Oh my God. How, There's so many Oscars. How tight, film. how tight is this cast? Yeah. Rene Russo, uh, Cuba Gooding Morgan Jr., Freeman, Morgan Freeman, Donald Sutherland, Donald, Su- Donald Sutherland, small part from Patrick Dempsey. Um, and gosh, who else? Um, Everyone. Well, well, JT Walsh. <laughs> so we've got to mention, we're going to mention Kevin Spacey. So Kevin Spacey's in this. Um, and, and he is, yeah, in he's his, a garbage person. He is in his, yeah. he's in his absolute heyday in, in 1995 he is yeah uh, I, I can't imagine the exact order but he is he's either just done or he's about to do seven and the usual mm. suspects um yeah and I, which is a great example of a um of an action thriller from the 90s yep. probably the that, penultimate that's true that's another example. another one yeah um yeah. so he's yeah he's he's about to start a, a string of a string of great performances he's starting his career really which runs for about um 25 years and then ends abruptly um yeah because we find because out of, that uh, he's a scandal. horrible human being yeah um yeah. but um yeah uh just supporting cast supporting cast solid solid as a rock and everybody i think the thing about this thing about these movies of this time is that everybody everybody just knows their they know that what they're there to do they they know their role to quote the rock um mm. you know they Oh, I'm Cuba Gooding Jr. He he knows exactly what he's there to do, and he's he's actually played he plays a similar role in other movies. But he just he knows what he's there to do. He's the he's the he's the young guy. He's a bit green, um, yeah. But he's he's gonna he's gonna come through, and he's gonna be solid at the end. Kevin Spacey is the seasoned he's the he's the seasoned experienced guy who fuck who yeah, fucks up and dies. Um, and, yeah, and, he's the white. He's the wizened. He's the wizened um, Kogan. Yeah. He's there to um, yeah to to tell you how serious this. But is. he's but um, he's not he's not as smart as Dustin Hoff. He's not as smart as the lead guy. He screws up. He doesn't yeah. take his own advice about resting, and he screws yeah. up and he dies because of it. Yeah. To to elev- elevate the hero and also elevate the pathos. Um, yeah. Morgan Freeman is is torn. He's at the you know he's he's caught in the middle. Um, yeah, he's 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 the he, he he's the moral fulcrum. Yeah, yep. he, yep. he, he bears the weight of of his own past indiscretions. He wants to atone for them. Um, yeah, and he's willing to go down to do it. Um, yeah, Donald, Donald, Donald Sutherland, Sutherland is, is Donald Sutherland. Completely, yeah, yeah. He's he's <laughs> complete. He's he's not prepared to atone for his crime. He's quite happy with the crimes that he's committed. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure Donald Sutherland is quite quite happy with the crimes he's committed as well. How do you feel? I mean, we're we're kind of leaping it, leaping ahead a bit, and that we haven't really talked much about what the plot of the movie actually is. But um, uh, yeah, and and by the way, we're we're going to spoil all everything that happens in this movie. Um, what do you think about spoiler alert? What do you think about, there's a virus outbreak. What yeah. do you think about Rene Russo's character? Um, she's she's probably the the least fleshed out of the characters. Uh, she's she's love interest to Dustin Hoffman, mm. and um, she is damsel in distress that gives the third act the 
the the the the momentum needed to keep it to to give it that tight finish like because she's she's got a time to live and there's a potential cure and the, you've got to get the thing done before she dies, effectively. She's, so she's, they can have a happy reunion. She's, yeah, she's the ultimate stake for yeah. the yeah, for, for the he, for the hero. Yeah. I just yeah. I didn't it didn't really occur to me at, until we were just talking about everybody knowing their role, and I kind of mentally I came to Rene Russo and I thought, well, she's the love interest, but that actually kind of sucks because she's she literally she's, the point the point of the first act is that she is leaving. Uh, Dustin Hoffman and leaving the uh, the the the, mil- the military um, to go to operation the that they 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 both have worked in to go to the CDC yep. to take the equivalent job that Dustin Hoffman has at CDC and yep. then later on when they when they finally wind up in this in this town that's that's beset with this virus Cedar Creek she arrives she is meant to be there. He is, and he is not. not. And she turns yeah. up and she says, the, 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 the officials are saying to her, we don't know what to do. People are calling her up. And she says, that's cool. I've got it from now on. I'll be in charge. And someone says, I thought he was in charge and points to Dustin Hoffman. And from then on, Dustin Hoffman is in charge. Yeah. And it's, he's not meant to be there. And it's kind of okay. Yeah. And she's good with it. She's like, oh, thank God, Dustin Hoffman's here. Well, I could just sit there. She's not a, it's not that she's especially good with it. Like, she's, she's annoyed. And at, at the beginning, it's kind of, it's, it's evidence of the, what, it's what's driven them apart is his, you know, his, uh, it's, it's that strength of, strength of character and that strength of will of his. You get the sense that he doesn't bend much and he doesn't listen, mm-hmm. listen very much and he tends to take over. Which is exactly what he does here, um, but he never he never really gives back. He never really gives back to that that kudos to to uh, Robbie as her character's name at, at any at mm. any point. Uh, he is he is in charge and he is the hero from then on. And she doesn't she doesn't get a chance to do much of anything. She really becomes a sidekick a sidekick slash she really does. slash love interest slash damsel in distress. Yeah, which is. It's a shame. It's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty. It, it's it, pretty. It stink was the nineties. Yeah, you you wouldn't do it. Yeah. You wouldn't do it in in the Me Too era. You wouldn't do it twenty twenty five years later. I, I think I think as little as ten years later, you wouldn't do it. I, I think I think if this film was made ten years later, a large chunk of the story time would have been devoted to the power struggle between her and Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, and arguably that might make that might even make a better film. But that isn't this movie. I guess this is the height of that that white middle-aged guy saves the day for everybody else kind of hero complex that films usually find themselves in these star vehicles for these aging hollywood um, action stars or you know aging hollywood stars um and this is a way to put them into the to put them into the hero role again it's it's kind of interesting i'm trying to think i'm thinking about twister now because i the thing that got me about that made me link this to twister is that they both have their their, oh, yeah, it's their, same their hero couple has yeah. has been a couple and has separated for for similar reasons and they've been a couple that's worked together and have and have separated from work and romantically but they are mm. circumstances bring them back together and push them back together and yeah. through overcoming the tension 
and over and overcoming the dramatic problem they also overcome the problems in their relationship and they and they come out of it stronger i don't think i think helen hunt has more to do in twister though than renee russo and she's almost well she's a more well-rounded character and that where in that by the end of it she hasn't sacrificed her career to to bring back the other guy to bring back um bill paxton um at the end of it it's bill paxton who's arguably sacrificing his career to get back with helen hunt oh yeah because he's a he's a he's a weatherman and he's yeah he's he's taken that big cushy job with the with with the studio to get rather than doing the hardcore in the ground in the dirt science Mm. which helen hunt is doing so um yeah it's kind of interesting it's that same dynamic but split um but uh, you know we can get to it at the end but this relationship i don't think makes much sense outside of the confines of this film like i don't see what's going to happen at the end of this movie but we can get to that in my favorite segment which is what happens tomorrow um yeah but shall we should we do should we do plot yeah basic plot let's do so this basic plot so like i say it's this plot is plot is absolutely it's tight as a drum and like you like you say uh it's every every situation Play, it, it, it propels propels the film into the next scene at pace mm-hmm. and it gets mm-hmm. faster and faster and it hits everything everything that the script needs to needs to hit yep um um so you've uh so um it starts with uh, sam it starts Sa- with that sorry, scene I was just in, in africa the, just yeah. trying to grab the names so yeah there's a, there's a scene in africa where there's been a there's been an, an outbreak discovered this is in the 60s um, there's, yeah. there's been an outbreak discovered of a terrible disease, 100% mortality rate. Um, it's, 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 it got into a well, and everybody in the town just dies from it within a few days. Mm-hmm. Less, yeah. less. Within, it's not airborne. Within like one yeah. day. Um, yeah. And Donald Sutherland, behind a mask, you don't see him, but he's, he's got a very noticeable voice. And I don't think you really noticed that it's Morgan Freeman in the other mask. But oh, I did. Th- you did? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I didn't pick it up the first time I listened to it, but uh, yeah, maybe maybe I'm just imagining it's Morgan Freeman because I knew it was Morgan Freeman later. Yeah, it's so yeah. they they make it they make a call. Uh, they fly out they fly out of this village and they imply that they're going to organize organize a drop of some supplies, some medicine, but they they bomb it, they yeah. blow it up. Um, <laughs> that old that old classic where they can say we'll drop in some supplies, but really they're just dropping a bomb. Um, cut to now. Uh, um, there's an amazing shot uh, to set this movie off, and this is another thing I love about these movies: is these long, long shots of these elaborate sets. And again, not CGI. It's it's just this. It's this really cool set that someone's taken the time to build, and there's people walking around doing their business. Um, mm. it's, it's a, oh, that's it's kind the, of West, the tour that West Wing esque kind of dolly shot, the dolly talk. shot through yeah. a through a a, a, a center, a faci- some sort of like a facility um and so and so you go through you go through you get a sense of these different containment levels uh and oh, yeah. you sense you're getting drawn into this drawn into this world as you go through the through the containment levels where there's people just in their basic ppe and their face masks and then and then you get further along and there's plastic stuff and suddenly these people are in these the, the full-on hazmat suits mm. and it's and it's dustin hoffman and Rene russo sam and robbie and um he just says one thing to her which is it's your last day right so yeah. yeah it's her yeah it's the classic kind of it's my last day on the job 
um, and then they get, um, they, uh, um, and then, and then you come to their home and he's, he's dropping the dogs off at her home. So you you realize, oh, okay, they've, they've actually had a relationship together and she's moving out. She's moving away from where he lives and she's moving away from working with him as well. The reason he's taking the dogs to her is that he's been called to, um, called to check out this village i think so they're going to the same they go to the same country eh? they go to zaire zaire um africa someplace um so he's got he's got to go there for a few days to check out this check out this virus um you get you've got the scene where the you don't really get a sense of what's his what what sense do you get of what's actually causing what's caused the problem in their relationship i guess that's that's one thing that's not quite as tight as it could be they say later they have this she has this thing where she's like this is this is what caused i actually think she uses the words this is what caused our relationship to break up was that he's always has to be in control and he always has to be right oh at, so actually and they do do that they do that with the photos they do that with yeah. the, with the with the so the um she's moving out and she's left a bunch of stuff for him and he's going through and he finds all the photos and she he says you realize yeah. you've left all the photos of us of us yeah and so and 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 she she said yes i know she says yes and then he, th- he throws them back and he, he won't take them and I, I guess that's that's what they're saying is that she's trying to do this one thing and he won't do it and then it's and then it becomes about the dogs like one in yeah. one more scene it's they're, they're arguing about the dogs and he, you get the sense that he yeah because yeah, she's moving <clears throat> to atlanta and he's wherever it is he is yeah and but you, you get yeah. a sense he is just he's pushing and pushing and pushing and he won't he won't let up about the dogs and finally he relents and he lets her take the dogs yep. and and then you get that sense of what their relationship could have been like and the love that's underlying but but yeah it's that it's that stubbornness and that refusal to relinquish control yeah which and i guess that makes that his tragic flaw um yeah but i wouldn't say that's something that he overcomes at all at any stage in fact that's that's what gets him there is the fact that he ha- he doesn't relinquish control and he does carry on yeah he's well i mean he's a 90s he's a 90s protagonist right he's um he's everything he needs to be at that moment he's headstrong he's willed he's he's a man of the people he's not the 80s um corporate villain he's dustin hoffman in the 90s you know he's a good guy he's probably only casually racist on weekends it's it's all right he's, it's the 90s. it's really that it's really that cop dynamic isn't it where he's the he's yeah. the, the renegade cop who is so good he always gets the job done he doesn't always play by the book in fact i think that's right and it's hard to admonish him or it's hard to tell him off because he um he does actually catch the bag i think he does I think he does get results when he when he has that first chat with morgan freeman who plays his boss i think he literally he describes him like that that he won't he won't follow yeah. orders there's they're, they're, they're having some playful back and forth and then he's uh talking about making his life a misery he says when did i ever like make your life a misery and it's yeah it's something about well you never listen you never do anything i say you never follow orders uh, but i always get the yeah. job done don't i it's it's that sort of I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm not quoting that right but it's it's that sort of exchange and it's that sort of relationship there's a, there's a word for characters like him and i think the word is maverick yes he's a maverick spot on yes yeah um and then so, yeah. and then there's a scene where he's getting the crew together as well he's got this is the um people have already talked about what roles these guys play so there's casey who is played by kevin spacey 
Um, there's Saul, who was played by Cuba Gooding Jr. So he's... Who is the Swiss Army knife of characters. Like, you need a pilot? Yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah. You need someone who's good with guns? Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah. He's amazing at everything. Except, <laughs> yes. keeping, his, except keeping his fucking helmet on. <laughs> um, yeah. So he's the, he's the green. He's the newbie. And so nobody really wants him there because he's replacing a guy... And and it's who was really good. It's that, it's that now gone. Apollo thirteen, um, uh, Kevin Bacon thing where yep. oh you're you're disrupting our we've got our group that we're really tight knit and you're disrupting that, and so that's that's a, with your Kevin Bacon that's a sort that's yeah. a source of tension. It is um, artificial tension, but yeah, you know art- it has to be artificial there. tension. Um, but later, but later he proves to the gang that he's cool. And they love him. And so they go to, they go to, and and he lives, which is. (laughs) Well, at least it's the nineties. Like, I mean, you still got that token. It's, there's still that element of token black character. And Cooper Gooding Jr. is unfortunately the role of token black character in this film. Like he's the only uh, African-American actor. I think I can name in the entire movie. Well, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. So they had two token black actors. But um, uh, unfortunately for everyone concerned, this was the 90s. So that doesn't then automatically mean that the token black actor dies by the third act. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'm really, man. They do a switcheroo in this film. We've talked for a long time on this already. So I should, I should swing through this a little bit because we're going to run out of time. Um, um, so he goes to, so they go, they go to Zaire. Um, Cuba Gooding Jr. freaks out as he as he needs to do to establish his place in the movie. Um, yeah. And, but we established then that the virus isn't airborne. The, the virus is person to person contact. Um, but it's highly, and, uh, highly, highly contagious and, and it has a hundred percent death rate. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, um, they fly, which is, which is movie magic in and of itself, even Ebola, which was the, the, the basis for this film, even that has a death rate of like 60 or 40 to 60%, depending on where you're being treated. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, gosh, there you go. Yeah. It's movie magic. It's, it's super bug. It turns people, yeah, super turns bug. people to mush. Um, yeah. Uh, so they, they fly back and so, um, Dustin Hoffman is, he's trying to get his, his superiors to put out an alert but it seems he's cried wolf a few times before and they believe that it's it's that the, the virus is in fact too effective it kills too quickly therefore it can't it burns spread. itself out yeah so, you so they they think but they think that it's safe little do they little know little do they know a south american monkey that was vacationing in zaire <laughs> um, <laughs> no one suspects the monkey <laughs> no one suspects marcel from friends would be a virus host so um yeah so uh yeah at the same time you see this the the monkey being captured and that's being that's that's you you chart its passage as it's being imported into america to be sold um yeah which seems like a lot of effort for a monkey for one south american monkey um i love movies in the 90s this is pre-internet so like in the 90s, you, you, you didn't need to have like an African monkey. It could just be a monkey. And they're like, well, we're filming this in the States. We've got a South American monkey right here that's trained. Yeah, that'll do. Looks like a, mon- looks like a monkey to me. It's a, 
Looks like a monkey. Hey, what do you call this, Steve? Oh, that's a monkey. Cool. <laughs> Put it in the film. <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't get away with that today because people would be like, "Oh, what kind of monkey is that?" And then the message boards would just be filled, and social media media would be filled with like you know, uh, fair representation for African monkeys in Hollywood films, and and like the South American monkey has stolen our jobs, mm. and um, <laughs> it's nuts. Um, so they get the they get the virus back to the lab. So that, so no one will put out an alert. They get the virus back to the lab, and they discover yes, indeed, that is killing people very quickly, which is kind of what they already knew. Um, yeah. But you also see the same time you see Morgan Freeman. He goes and takes a look at it in the lab, and he compares it to the sample of the sixty seven bug the, from Zaire yep. Motaba. Um, goes and tells Donald Sutherland about it, and then Donald Sutherland, uh, you know, kind of. Puts his puts his role in in place. He says you're so damn sentimental, so he's he's obviously yeah. the hard ass, um, and he is making decisions on a purely yeah. purely numerical and probability basis. Um, and it's it's he's he's going to take the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few to extreme levels, and that's yeah. everything you need to know about his character. So all of these characters, they're all set up within by the end of the first act. You know, you know everything you need to know about all of them. It's it's so tight. It's so well done. Yeah. Um, and then everything is undone by Patrick Dempsey. So which which so who's Pat, which one is Patrick Dempsey? Patrick Dempsey is the is the grungy kid who takes the monkey out of the. The facility. Oh, he's the it monkey takes, guy. He's the monkey guy, and Patrick Dempsey at this point um, was a a child star um, who had been in a bunch of films in the late '80s, early '90s, like Can't Buy Me Love, um, and then. But it's pre um, Doctor McDreamy from Yeah um, Grey's Anatomy, so he's Doctor McDreamy, um, and so yeah, he's not Patrick Dempsey yet. He is yet to become Patrick mm. Dempsey. So. Yeah. So he, Grungy so he picks up the he picks up the monkey. He sneaks it out of sneaks it out of the dock. He takes it to the store, but it turns out that it's a is it a is it a male or a female? It's a female. The, the, female, the, 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 female, the, and they needed a the, male. They well, need one, a male because they want to breed them. So he has to take it. Meanwhile, they've infected everybody. Meanwhile, the, with, the, mon- with the monkey has spat in Patrick Dempsey's face, and it scratches the arm of the, the of the pet store owner. Store, yeah. So everyone's infected, and now. so it sets off. Um, so so that's kind of that's kind of the first turning point um and then they also um uh so morgan freeman has to go back he takes he takes sam off the case and he says he's he's sending them him somewhere else to new mexico or albuquerque or somewhere um and um he's obviously quite because they're coming because it's the 90s as well so you've got the x-files like government conspiracy stuff so yeah the government's coming to to shut it down and they're like yep uh, you know something, so fuck off to the ends of the earth. Um, yeah. yeah. So so he he's he gets sent to sent to Albuquerque, but he doesn't he doesn't go. He hops up he hops a plane and he and his crew they they go to. Um, well, actually, they don't know that it's in this little town yet, do they? But they, no. they find out they find it out pretty soon, and they wind up going there. Um, they um, oh no, what he does he phones Robbie. Because he wants to get Robbie yep. to send out an alert from CDC, so the army won't do from it. CDC. But he tries to convince Robbie to do it. Um, Robbie isn't having a bar of it at first, but then in the next scene, she's caved, um, and because she, she hears she hears some some um, people, she gets a report in saying some people have died of you know some you know really nasty yeah. bug with high fever and stuff, and it's like 
she's just had this conversation with Dustin Hoffman and uh, and so she goes hang on that sounds familiar and then so she does mm. something and they they launch on it so well she yeah she, she so she tries to convince her boss to do it the boss won't uh, because of the cost and this is something that comes up in this kind of disaster movie a lot um, so, uh, I've seen comparisons of this with Jaws um, and it's, it's oh, something yeah. that comes up it comes up in, con- oh, in yeah. Contagion as well where yeah so it's, it's if it's not a government people discuss the cost if it's not a government yeah. cover up it's people who are concerned about the cost or people who are putting money over the lives of people exactly exactly so yeah. they don't want to put it an alert to 400,000 nurses it's very expensive um, and so they don't they yeah. don't do that and you see that the 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 bug travels just far enough you see it in fact it goes specific i think they send it specifically to through a lab because it's a blood sample but the the lab tech is not paying attention and he cuts his hand while he's trying to collect get splattered trying to collect blood. the blood yeah. sample and it's implying that if that alert had gone out that lab tech might not have been watching a sports game he might have actually been paying attention to what he was doing um and it all and mm. it all might have been stopped but um maybe that because because the the others have died before they've been able to pass it on too far the pet store owner doesn't pass it on and patrick dempsey only passes it on to his girlfriend who he comes in barely able to stand up he comes in and and like full on french kisses his tongue down her throat (laughs) god i hope they paid her extra for that (laughs) um and then and then passes out and so they both they both die pretty shortly afterwards. So you get you find out that the incubation period is less than twenty four hours. So it's a really it, it kills really quickly. And again, supporting this belief that it's gonna um, it's it's gonna burn out before it can before it can spread too far. Um, mm. But then oh, but, and yeah, this is the yeah. this is the the coup de grace. This is one of the things that really made this movie um, stand out. Is the lab tech goes to the cinema. And he's coughing. Oh, he's yeah. coughing in the cinema. And how the cinema. how good was this in 1995 when you're in a I remember you're that. in a cinema yeah, watching. I remember a movie. watching this in the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> and there is a scene where it's the disease is being spread to everyone by a dude coughing in the cinema. Coughing cinema. Yeah, I remember vividly and being in the movie at the time, and um, and uh, there was a there were there was a dude coughing in the cinema and there was no coughing after that, after that scene. <laughs> I think it even, I think it even got compared to Jaws at the time. It said it'll do, it'll do the same thing to going for going to the cinema that Jaws did for going in the water. Or, going to or the am beach, I thinking of something yeah. else? No, no. I think that that's a fair comparison to make. Cause I think that was one of the first times that you had like a visualization like that on screen where, um, where it isn't like some super virus or um, it isn't like, um, some kind of chemical weapon it's just like some dude coughing yeah. and yeah now you've all got it so so at cdc they think that um they've got it contained because the uh, it's, it's the it's, they've only seen it in the pet store owner patrick dempsey and his girlfriend those they celebrate yep. they say it's we're all okay but then at the same time you know that hot that chaos is breaking out at this hospital in this small town where the lab tech works which is which is yep. cedar creek um yeah and so that's that's around 43 minutes um and then billy so so this is the point where sam hops the flight he redirects the flight because he's like okay i've got to get to this place i'm not going to albuquerque um he hops a flight to cedar creek and that's he turns up there um relieves 
relieves Robbie of her command um, <laughs> prematurely before unceremoniously before, before she even gets there. Um, uh, and you find out that there is there's there's a you, you're introduced to the serum called E eleven o one, which is is presented as a possible it's a possible cure that they've worked out um, based on the you find out later that they've worked this out based on the sixth based on the Zaire the original one and from the 60s from the 60s yeah but no one quite wants to use it um for reasons that are never completely clear they like there's a it's got weapons potential it, it gets a bit it gets a bit oh, it gets a bit yeah, muddy so they keep talking about this. they kind of rely yeah. a bit on the sense that well he's a bad guy and he's and it's some sort of government conspiracy and he doesn't want to be found out that he bombed this town in zaire yeah. When you think too hard about it, 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 it doesn't quite hold up. Yeah, and to what purpose? Like, um, you could almost justify a government in the 1960s fuel, fuel air bombing a, um, a, a small town to protect. Yeah, I, I buy that from a government in the 60s. It was, in like, fact, I don't really think not that uncommon for America yeah. to be dropping bombs. Bombs just willy nilly everywhere. Countries covered in jungle <laughs> in nineteen sixty seven. I mean if it had happened if it had happened in the two thousands they would have just went terrorist training camp and <laughs> no one would have looked any harder. <laughs> that would have been the end of the story. So you dropped a very, very powerful fuel air bomb that wiped out a, a square a square kilometer of, of rainforest for a, a terrorist training camp. Yep. And everyone would have just gone, That's fine, and gone home. <laughs> so but no no in this film slightly different scenario so you start to get you start so, to get a sense of what's going on in the town and the way that the people are reacting they're becoming unruly so the army has come in and they've so they've put the town in lockdown um the people are all out on the street protesting yeah um yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's a contagious virus <laughs> let me stand really close to yeah. my neighbor we all, we all need all to night. get together um i did i did like in light of of current times i did find the um, i remember watching it at the cinema at the time and people like uh, there's that scene where he turns up uh sam turns up and he's in his the ppe the personal protective equipment and um uh it's you know it's all futuristic he's got the fancy helmet on and and all the rest of it and um uh they're all in whatever mask they could find they're like one guy's <laughs> clearly got like a, a um like a dust mask, you know, for sanding yeah. for industrial purposes. And I remember at the time thinking that's funny because, um, that's what dumb people would do. They would literally find anything and put it on their face <laughs> and go, I'm protected. Uh, but little did I know, uh, that's exactly what happens in real life mm. because, uh, I'm, I, in my, in my flat in London, I can see a street beneath me and I can see people all day walking because I've been working from home now for two and a half three weeks this is the end of my third week um and all week i've seen people walk past and everything from t-shirts tied around their faces to um full-on um industrial gas ga- gas mask type scenario where they've got two giant filters uh hanging off it's like for mm. uh, industrial purposes for like sanding and, and stuff so yeah i thought it was funny uh seeing that back in the 95 but yeah people do that that's what people are doing yep. Because they're yeah, they'll put anything on their face if they think it's going to protect yep. them. So, um, yeah. yeah, and they're like very angry at yeah at the <laughs> that the people who are trying to help. Um, like straight yeah. away, 
like it hasn't been even hasn't even been a day. And I guess and I guess pro- you've got soldiers there with rifles, though, right? Like the the doctors, though. I guess you, yeah, the doctors are angry. I guess, I guess well, I guess you'd, yeah, you'd get you'd get angry at the angry at the doctors rather than get angry at the army. Like I'm not going to go and rough up the dude with the rifle, but I'll, I'll yeah, I'll, 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 I'll bet that guy I'll, over there with the glasses. I'll push, ar- I'll push around this short doctor who looks like Dustin Hoffman <laughs> in his PPE. Um, so oh, so soon after that, so they the one of the first things that happens once they arrive in the town is that they discover that it's airborne, um, and then which yeah. which kind of raises the stakes a bit it starts to become a bit more a bit more worrying uh they managed to trace trace the 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 pet store so they go to they go yeah. to the pet store they um grab the they find the monkey they take the monkey back to the lab oh there's a car chase of course there's a car chase there's a car they throw chase. in a car chase a yep. couple of rednecks trying to get out of the trying to get out of the of the town in there that was funny um, yeah Red rednecks in the, in the Utes, army, um, <laughs> yeah, and and get blown away. Um, as, I mean, it's 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 ridiculous, but it's. I think so... I think that was there more to show that like the government, this is the response that they would take. Like if they're gonna if if you're in lockdown, it's it's to heighten that. Yeah, right? that's so true. This town is on lockdown, and like they're trying to get away. Like they were gonna go in the bush, and um and so they get their their jeep and their shotguns and they're they're driving away, and the army's just like, yeah, here's your warning shot. Yeah, no, fuck you. That's true. Boom, it it, it raises the stakes, and also at the same time. Uh, allows them to have a car chase through a, through a, a town. They they bust through a barn and out the other side, um, and out into a field. And a helicopter comes down in front of them and blows them up with missiles. It's like yeah, <laughs> and that's you know that that section of the movie was a little sluggish. So there'd been a lot of talky talky. They needed it needed an action beat. <laughs> there. An action like- beat. Which is, and again, that's what that's what movies are this period. Yeah, that's what movies of this period do yeah. so well. They they got nothing's happened for twenty yeah, minutes. Action beat. Such a good sense yeah. of the pace and the tone and and where they need where yeah. they need an action beat and how they can get it in. But also, like you say, have a point that raises the stakes. It makes it more serious. Yeah. They realize, yeah, these guys will sh- these they'll sh- they'll kill these people. Um, and it, and it's yeah, a it's a the, precursor. They've they've mentioned it in. Um, in passing, this idea of Operation Clean Sweep, which is which is the, the, yep. the Zaire treatment of this town of Cedar Creek, where they come along with the biggest bomb they can get before they go nu- nuclear, and in the context of the film, film they call it a fuel air bomb, mm. and uh, it's just a really big, super hot explosive device that will eradicate everything in the town. Uh, for a good couple of miles around. Oh man! Now that you've mentioned that, I've I've been waiting to do this. Um, we're <laughs> we're going to do something a little bit. We, we don't usually do this, but there is a scene coming up, and Craig's just I'm leaping ahead a little bit. There's a scene coming up, and Craig's just mentioned it. Um, so there's a scene where they ex- they explain properly what this Operation Clean Sweep is about. There's a proper reveal yep. of it. It's around the it's around the midpoint. Uh, sixty. Yeah. So six, they set it six, up nicely. Sixty-nine minutes. So it's the it's sixty-nine minutes it's, in. You're, yeah. you're well. In, you're deep in the second act. Um, and this there is a scene that is just this piece of dynamite over the top acting. It's, it's the only scene this this guy is in. Uh, and it's it's about two minutes long. And I just I think it's worth I think it's worth playing. Um, I'm going to play it now. Um, and then we'll we'll add a, a kind of nice sounding version. In a little bit. 
right, all right. Please, please. The president's ETA from the East Asia Economic Summit is about 20 hours from now. He wants a recommendation by then from this group. Now, as I understand it, you want to firebomb the town of Cedar Creek, California, population 2,600, with something called a fuel air bomb, <clears throat> the most powerful non-nuclear weapon in our arsenal. The way it works, it explodes, sucks in all available oxygen to the core, vaporizes everything within a mile of ground zero, men, women, children, and one airborne virus. Destruction complete, case closed, crisis over. This Constitution of the United States, I've read it cover to cover. I don't find anything in it about vaporizing 2,600 American citizens. But it does say several times that no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process. So, a couple things before clean sweep is even considered. One, unanimous, unwavering support for the president on this one. And I mean public. You're going to stand there shoulder to shoulder with him. He goes down, you go down. And the second thing is, I want an army of experts citing hundreds and thousands of lab experiments telling any idiot with a camera that there was no other way. You got that? Hmm? No member of this government is going to go sneaking off to the Washington Post telling them how they were the sole voice of opposition. If there is a voice of opposition out there, I want him in here now. Those are the citizens of Cedar Creek. Go on, look at them. These are not statistics, ladies and gentlemen. They're flesh and blood. And I want you to burn those into your memories. Because those images should haunt us till the day we die. So good. So, so for those of you listening at home, uh, that, that was J.T. Walsh, the late, great J.T. Walsh, who has not been in this film up until this point. <laughs> and will never again appear in this film he's in um, it for, he's in it for a, a hundred seconds yeah and it's 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 a hundred seconds of greatness um it's a fantastic it's a fantastic monologue um and its place in this movie is a little questionable but um but i i we were mike and i were talking about this before the scene and we we, we I, my theory is that um they they shot this film um and then they were like oh there's some dull moments and i bet you what happened was they they went and inserted a bunch of action beats um where things weren't happening like there's the scene that we just talked about with the with the guys in the trucks and the car chase and i bet you dollars for donuts this scene was one of them as well where they were like we just need something to punch it up so we'll get in a character actor like jt walsh um, and we'll give him a monologue and we'll let him rip and, and see what he can do. And that's exactly what well, happened. Well, it's the, it's the second act. It's the second act lull, right? Because the second act of this movie yeah. is mostly just people getting sick and dying. And so they do two yeah. things. So they, do, they put on a lot of, they put on every action beat they can think of. And, and that, that scene, that performance qualifies as an action beat for me. Um, oh, 100%. And then the other thing, they, the other thing they do to, to really make this, to bring out the second act, is they, they put a human face on this virus. And so, so you meet this, um, we call her Mother Who Dies. Um, so you meet, yeah. you meet Mother Who Dies around 64 minutes. And Young Mother so Who it's Dies. Just, it's, yeah. just a, it's just after the midpoint. You know, you're just starting the, the second half of the second act. It's, it's starting to get a little bit, starting to feel a little bit same, same. And so they introduce this woman and she becomes, she becomes your through line. So the first scene is her being taken away from her family. Um, and the family, the kids can't go and hug her and she's, she's waving goodbye and she's steps out the front door and the army is waiting for her and they've got their, they've got yeah. their masks on. 
Um, They've got all their gear on, and they there's a, a lovely point of view shot where she's taken to the back of the Humvee, and she's put into the Humvee, um, and you can see like it, it's like she's being taken away to prison, yeah. and you, and it's this whole um, bit of her going to the elementary school and then out the back of the elementary school where there's a a field full of a a, a, a mobile army uh, surgical hospital a mash unit. Um, and they do that. Um, and they then, do that. They steal a shot from Gone with the Wind, where she walks. She steps out, steps out onto the field, and it's quite close on her. And then it cranes up, and it cranes up high, to higher show you and the, higher and yeah. higher to show you the, the the breadth of the devastation in this in this town. They do say this town is only two thousand two hundred people. I feel like you see at least eight hundred, two thousand, at least eight hundred <laughs> already dead at at the point yeah. where they're arguing about whether or not they should drop this bomb you see so you yeah, see so then, many die then, you see you see people just being so many dead. bodies just being thrown on trucks yeah and taken and they yeah take, it's like a disturbed they, music they video taken to a barn and and burned yeah and burnt like so yeah. many that so many of the people in this town are already already dead or dying i i, I don't i feel like the maths add, add up but it's not the kind of movie where the maths add up um no so that's 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 kind of how your second act goes and in fact the so and and so she she pops up at the end of that scene where he tosses the photos. Her photo is the one that you see splashes out over the over the desk as these photos spread out. And then in the very next scene is is a a, a montage of body bags being zipped up, and her face is 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 on the is on the body bag. Yeah, I think one of her her face yeah. is one of the people in the so body bags. So yeah. she gets she gets carried through that that second act. Um, so it's that. It's 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 such efficient storytelling. It's 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 so so good to carry you through, but it is all at the same time very grim. And so you get that that absolutely over the top performance from J T. Walsh just lifts lifts the energy. It gives it that gives it that yeah. zing that it needs. Um, really does. I, I miss J T. Walsh. He he died not long after this film came out. A scant three years later, he would have a a fatal heart attack. Only three and, years and, and die. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he died in ninety eight. So this film comes out in 95. So you figure, depending on when it came out in 95, it was either filming early 95 or late 94. So four, three or four years later, he dies of a, of a heart attack. Um, but uh, And for I was talking to Mike, we're probably going to run a little late on this, but I was talking to Mike earlier about this, but J.T. Walsh um, was his character actor, um, and he was all of a sudden in everything. In 94 and 95, he had, what was it, 15, 15 Six, movie yeah, credits 16. to his name? yeah he had nine in one year and seven in the other um and so in a, in a in a very short period of time he was in like a few good men outbreak um pleasantville uh, a lot of reasonably high profile films as as villain or um this government government character this government uh, bureaucrat style character um and he was he was really good he was clearly a, a very decent actor um but yeah unfortunately jt walsh died not mm. long after this film came out so real sad good actor yeah um yeah and absolutely one of the more memorable memorable things about this film um but yeah punching through into that third act um so you had that that lovely through pull through line with the the human face yeah. and that's There's all of that's fantastic one, one more thing that happens happens in the in that second act the second half of the second act is that is so casey gets oh. casey gets it and casey casey is the sacrificial lamb to raise the stakes um so kevin so Spacey. he makes he yeah. makes that error that i mentioned he um tears his suit and um he gets sick and he dies um yeah which is that that lovely exchange where him and sam are talking and he's like you should get some rest and 
uh, don't tell me what to do, and then and then Sam actually does get some rest, but Casey, Casey doesn't, doesn't follow his own yeah. advice. Yeah, yeah, they have an argument about and it. That's the that's the difference between those two characters, I guess. Is one had the the the, the self awareness to go, well, actually, I should get some what, rest, and took a nap. Which is Casey, which was. is, and I think that's that's again back to Sam's character and what you see with the argument about the dogs at the start, which is he'll he'll get angry and he'll be frustrating, but he'll put and he'll be difficult he'll, but he'll but be then difficult he'll, but then he will realize eventually he will realize and he will redeem himself um yeah um but which is but casey doesn't yeah so ultimately casey gets sick through to an error uh he tears his suit and he gets a dose of the virus um and then uh he falls over and they're busy trying to treat him or figure out because he's gone into a seizure and in the process of doing that, uh, Renee Russo is trying to take a blood sample, um, and then she ends up uh, stabbing herself with a with a dirty needle, um, and so she's in, now infected as well. Um, um, the other thing that speaking so, of speaking of the point where Casey faints, the other thing that's really good about this movie that you see over and over again is how well they balance the good and the bad news, because the scene where he faints is exactly the same scene it is just after they have noticed they've turned around they've noticed that the monkey that they recovered from the pet store that wasn't that was infected not the not the host monkey monkey that was infected they gave it this e1101 and it recovers so there is that moment of joy we've we've got something we've got something that's going to work and then casey falls to the floor it's so tight so yeah. so well balanced the good news and the disaster um rising yeah. rising tension rising stakes amazing yeah and it, and it keeps propelling that story yeah. forward and it just keeps kicking it into a higher and higher gear um, and, and, right up until the and end now, and, so. and at that point you kick into the third action and it all becomes completely ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's got it's that '90s action film, right? So it, there's got to be some action in the final yeah. act. So in, in the final act, uh, we'll try and rock it through it ourselves because you know we're at the 57 minute mark right now. Um, but in that final act, so they work out that um, the e the, the 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 serum that they've got, the antiviral serum, the 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 the, the panacea works and if they can get the host organism that because there's two there's two variants of the virus there's an airborne and a a not airborne version the serum doesn't work for the airborne version but it does work for the 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 person to person version variant um so if they can get the other host monkey that clearly um it it has the antibodies they'll be able to do something and they'll be able to cure the virus the science doesn't check out but (laughs) fucking who cares um ridiculous so that the yeah, they 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 work out that Marcel from the monkey from Friends is still in the countryside somewhere, and so it's this race where they've taken a helicopter mm. that's got some missiles on it, and they're off they're off trying to track down um, the monkey, um, and so they go and visit the ship from the beginning of the film. Oh, it's uh, it's, and then it's bonkers! Like they they, they bonkers. steal they steal a helicopter. You discover that Cuba steal Cuba Gooding Jr. In addition to being a a trained microbiologist, is also a helicopter pilot. Yeah. Um, also a helicopter not pilot. only a helicopter pilot but he of course in a in a pursuit is able to outmaneuver two of the best helicopter pilots in the u.s army yeah we, we, we have an establishing shot where they're like are you the best sir yes i'm the best sir and it's like cool not as good yeah, as Cooper you are though. obviously going to die <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so, so and it becomes so, so it becomes this race 
where they are going so they go to a they go to an office uh to to requisition the records of the like the shipping records to find out which ship it came yep. in on they came from they go to the ship um i don't know how long yep. it takes to fly to fly around any of these connect any of these dots in america in a helicopter and more importantly where a, are they getting the fuel for this helicopter because <laughs> there's a because those things have not got great range so it's not like you know it's not they're not they're not a fucking yeah Prius. So the, the, you're not gonna get a thousand miles of the, a tank the of boat gas is out to sea <laughs> <laughs> and they have to go and find it in the sea um yeah uh, sam jumps from leaps from the helicopter onto the boat he finds the quarters yep. of the guy who brought the monkey in on the boat finds the picture of yep. the monkey back on the helicopter uh, to a newsroom they storm the newsroom and he holds up the picture of the monk at gunpoint holds, at fucking holds gunpoint. up the picture of the monkey um and the the woman <laughs> happens to be watching at the time whose daughter has been telling her about how she's been playing with a monkey in her backyard um yeah and the mother assumes it's a it's an imaginary animal until uh the daughter's artistic she, rendition I, of the monkey. ids the monkey from a crayon drawing that <laughs> six-year-old daughter's mate <laughs> gets on the phone they're back in the helicopter and they're out to where she is um they, they capture the capture the monkey there is and again this is all ridiculous but all the all the tension is genuine you genuinely feel it and then so there's there's a, a scene so the, where they the, they lay a trap for the monkey and and the monkey's not coming they've got an apple cut in half on a plate hoping the monkey will come but then the little girl's like the monkey only comes when i call it and um and so they they use the little girl as bait <laughs> to capture marcel from friends and then she she steps in but she blocks cuba gooding jr's shot oh my god so cuba gooding jr can't shoot the monkey yeah not only is <laughs> not only is he a trained microbiologist and a helicopter pilot he's also a marksman he's a pretty decent shot yeah but she she blocks the shot and there's 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 a there's a genuine you know genuinely tense moment but he manages to manages to get his shot away and and shoot his tranquilizer into this monkey um back in the helicopter helicopter chase ensues um they've yeah they they managed to they managed to lose these two helicopter pilots and then fire a couple of their missiles into the forest um and lay lay the most feeble most most feeble trap and a ruse imaginable make convince ruse imaginable convince yeah. them that this this guy who has just outmaneuvered the two best helicopter pilots in the in the u.s air force and in, in the business has, yeah. has having having done that just randomly crashed into the forest um yeah more importantly like again the math doesn't check out here but those are those are um uh, apache or not apache um they're huey bell huey helicopters uh, that they're flying around with you know the classic vietnam helicopter and uh, there, and I don't know what the name of the, the, the helicopter is, but it's a, uh, I know it, it's called a little bird in, in, in some military jargon. Um, so um, the, I've got to imagine the top speed of that little helicopter is going to be <laughs> impressive compared to the, to the Bell Huey. Um, so I don't know why there's a chase. They should just be like, oh, we can't keep up with them, sir. And meanwhile, they're just going <laughs> off into the, into the distance. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on. But anyway, so the, the final, we should, yeah, right we, should, we should wrap this up. So the final, the final point of tension. So Sutherland, 
Um, Morgan Freeman has managed to get the get the bomb. So they've 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 they've, they've got the presidential approval. Uh, J T. Walsh has gotten the presidential approval to bomb this town. Um, Morgan, Morgan Morgan Freeman, Freeman calls has had it his off. Crisis of he conscience. In, he intervenes yeah, and, and he calls it off. off. But Sutherland intervenes. He takes over and he calls it back on again. Um, yeah. But Mor- so now, Morgan Freeman. So now the bomber with the bomb is coming back to Cedar Creek to bomb yep. the town. Um, um, and he gives them a um, Sam gives them an impassioned speech. They're not listening though. They're Marines. They're trained for this. They're hardcore. Morgan Freeman jumps yep. on the line and in a in a, a bit of a ruse, he explains how they can that they can stop it by just flying in the plane's way. Uh, and that the yep. plane probably won't just fly through them. Although you assume that if you were, if they did, that the plane wouldn't suffer, this bomber wouldn't suffer that much damage. Um, yeah. But <laughs> it's a big, it's a big cargo plane, yeah. right? You got to figure that. But yeah. anyway, the the the, the so they, they play a game of chicken yeah, the, with this the helicopter bo- with the unlimited. The fuel. bomber veers off and it drops the bomb, and f- for a while you don't know where they've dropped it. If they dropped it over the town or over the water, and it's revealed they've dropped it over the water. Um, and somehow they've managed to make an anti-serum in this time as well in about two hours and give it to Rene Russo and oh, give, it, so, so give it to all of the yeah. give it to all of the it takes about take, looks like it takes about 45 minutes just to put on the suits yeah <laughs> but it's produced buckets of anti-serum um and fuck all those other people yeah like, you know yeah. all those other people like Rene Russo she's gonna be straight, the one who gets it first straight to Robbie yeah um and then yeah. there's, there's just a weird little little thing at the end, and I, I don't know what this line is supposed to mean. Maybe you can explain it too. So she, <laughs> she's recovering from the virus, and this is the, this is what's this is what, and I'll, it'll lead it'll lead you into. We'll wrap up with what happens next, and I'll, I'll lead you into that because yeah. they have their weird little. I guess they they can't they can't have a big triumphant pash because she looks gross. Because she's just recovered from this virus. So, Let, just to be clear, she looks gross because she's recovering from a virus. She's Renee Russo, <laughs> one of the most beautiful women in the world. Um, so I guess they didn't, they didn't want to, They didn't want to end it with a kiss. So they end it with this little inter, interchange between them, um, where she's recovering from this virus, and he says, um, so she describes what it was like, and he says it sounds a little bit like living with me. And and he says, would you would you go through it again? And she says, maybe. Now I have the antibodies. Uh-huh. Is, is she saying that she is she's got the nerve now to put up with his shit? And is th- I think she's saying that she could suffer it um, because she's suffered it once before, so she she's inoculated against his nonsense. <laughs> but yeah, Rene Russo, moved to Atlanta. <laughs> Take that job at the CDC. Uh, leave his dusty ass yeah, behind. That, that so. interchange does does not leave me in confident that these two are going to have a, a functioning, stable relationship going forward. No, absolutely not. And which leads nicely into what happens tomorrow. Um, one, uh, she has uh, severely impacted kidney function from this <laughs> disease that's ravaged her internal organs. She is not a well woman and her recovery is long and hard and leaves her with complications for the rest of her life uh, there's a there's a government inquiry into the actions of dustin hoffman oh, probably going to see him get fired so many inquiries um, so many cooper gooding jr is busted down to a private and spends the rest of his military career polishing pans and <laughs> um in a kitchen someplace 
uh, Donald Sutherland gets away scot free because he's got friends yeah, out the yin yang. Connections. Uh, Morgan he's Freeman. Got, he's got yeah, dirt. Yeah, he's, he's got, got dirt. He's got those solid, solid Iran Contra connections. <laughs> he is going nowhere, um, and in fact, winds up getting a promotion. Um, Morgan Freeman just Morgan Freeman's his way into the next universe um, and just does whatever it is he does. And Sam and Rene Russo get back together briefly, realize that there was some serious underlying issues because ultimately sam hasn't learned a damn thing uh and <laughs> he's, he's learned that he's, and he's right, still he's, an right. ass. He's, he's, he's all of his behavior is rewarded <laughs> yep he is proven you're on the right, right. so you're on the right track sir i i was i was right all if along a, he says if, uh, if a woman is on this at the same level or superior to you 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 just cut, undermine you her authority <laughs> you cut her off at the knees um, and uh, yeah, and so the next J- day, JT, uh, JT uh, Walsh all... presidential bid. Oh, million percent. <laughs> uh, he realizes that um, he realizes after his impassioned speech in the war room there that you know what he'd probably be better in front of the camera um, instead of you know the saxophone playing intern banging wannabe loser that they've got at the moment. So yeah, he gets out in front of the camera and uh, he becomes the presidential candidate for for two thousand there. Uh, and beats out uh, the um, the incumbent uh, Al Gore. So yeah, there you go. That that's what happens tomorrow if he had to die. So <laughs> so it's it's ridiculous, but I just I love this era of filmmaking. I've got to call this verging on greatness for my money. Uh, I, I don't think you can call it anything, but it's it's probably the last great hurrah of the one of the last great hurrahs of the of the action thriller. Uh, and it's a movie that just doesn't get made anymore because um, there's no money in it. Uh, and that's a real shame. I think hopefully, um, hopefully we'll see a resurgence of this kind of film that isn't exactly special effects driven. It has special effects that help tell the story, but like the effects aren't the story. Um, and it's just good acting all the way around. There's so many Oscars in this film. Uh, I mean, Cooper Gooding Jr., Dustin Hoffman, um, Donald Sutherland, um, Morgan Freeman, uh, Morgan Freeman, all, all four of those people are Oscar winners. Um, I don't know if Renee Russo has ever been Spacey. nominated, but she's Kevin. I was trying not to say his name, but yeah, Kevin Spacey, um, oh, two-time yeah, Academy Award winning. Yeah, um, and Usual Suspects, yeah. um, Best Supporting Actor. Um, yeah, so all of these guys are multiple Academy Award nominees, um, and in, in some cases, multiple Academy Award winners. Um, yeah, fantastic um, cast all the way around. Uh, tight, tight script. Um, I think we even looked up the writer. Um, oh yeah, we, and he I wanted has, to give a shout out to the writer. Um, uh, no, I've forgotten it. I had it just before. Um, he's written other stuff, but it's written by. Um, it's got two writers, Lawrence uh, Dowrett and Robert Roy Poole. Mm. Um, uh, I don't know what else they've done, but yeah, tight, tight script, very, very solid, good filmmaking. Yeah, all the way around. Oh gosh. One of them has only got three credits to his mm. name. Mm. Well, we should we should wrap this up. This is part one of our, our two part lockdown special. Uh, we'll be back. Yeah, we'll be back really soon with Contagion, which is arguably the the far more serious of these two films. Yeah, th- so yeah, they are. If it feels like we've been a bit light and flippant with this film, given the current times that we live in, which is 
in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. We apologize. Um, yeah. A little levity is, is, is required at all times. But yeah, uh, if this movie is the yin of these films, then the yang is about to come, which yeah. is a lot darker. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and probably a lot more on the Opposite nose. ends but of yeah, the spectrum. Anyway, so yeah, opposite ends of the spectrum. So yeah, that's 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 our take on Outbreak. Like and subscribe, y'all. Um, hopefully, hopefully you're all safe and well. Yeah, we're back. Don't go outside. Stay home. We'll be back soon.